0: you being here as we roll into the final hour of our Valentine's Day show. Happy birthday to Arizona, 112 years old today. Um, President Biden sharpens his attack on corporations after hotter than expected CPI. This is where the problem lies. I will tell you completely. Just think about this for a moment. We have a United States government that is always finding new ways to get into the wallets of the American people. And yet the president of the United States is going out using the bully pulpit. He blamed the fossil fuel industry for their obscene profits. Um, and then he is now blamed, he's blamed the grocery industry. Now the grocery industry, he can be saying he's talking about these major grocery store chains and they're they're bilking the public, but you're talking about food growers. You're talking about the people, the farmers and the ranchers across this world. Um, the fact of the matter is, it is very difficult for them to eke out a living most of the time. That the, um, I, I talked about the, the egg industry because one of the things they allude to in here is the sharp increase in eggs for a while, they were dealing with the bird flu, which was hammering um, these farms all across the country, here in Arizona as well. And so the ones that were not affected by this, where they had to kill all of their laying hens because of this disease, it was putting pressure on the other parts of the industry. You know, it's a, it's the supply and demand thing here in Arizona. We use special blends of fuel and it's, it's particular. It's specific to Arizona. So when one place they make it one, I think Southern California and Texas are the two places and they feed Eastern and Western Arizona. Uh, from there, when one of them has an issue with delivery or has an issue at refining, the other one has to pick up the slack as best as possible and it drives prices up. Same thing happened in that world. When it comes to beef, there was a story a few weeks ago that we have less beef cattle now than we've had since the 1970s. You mix that with the double the price it cost to feed the cattle. Prices of beef are going to remain very, very high. And private industry is entitled to profit. So you get a tax break from your Arizona state legislature. The Arizona state legislature uh, and the governor's office, they sent out tax rebates. We've collected your taxes. We can afford to give it back to you. We're going to give you back your money. We're not going to take as much from you. You're getting a tax rebate from us. The IRS swooped in and said that's taxable income. Even the Democrat attorney general said, well, you know, we're talking to the we're trying to get them to, uh, to back up on that. So here's the president of the United States criticizing private industry for making money. And the federal government is trying to find ways to get into your wallet every chance they get. They want tax increases only going to be on the wealthy. Let's be clear about that. But that's not true either. So we are seeing people cheering. What is one of the government agencies that has had an explosion of growth? The Internal Revenue Service. Now, listen, uh, everybody believes that we should pay something. We should pay a fair amount. But 70% of this country believes it's overtaxed. What does that mean? That means we believe that the federal government is charging us too much money because that's what it is. It's our wealth to begin with. They're confiscating our wealth. 70% of this country believes that the government is charging us too much and we're not getting value for the money we're being taxed on. And yet the president of the United States deflecting any responsibility, they will tell you they have no responsibility in inflation, none whatsoever. And yet we know that's not true. You're borrowing money at an alarming rate. And it's not just it's not me saying this. It's not a Republican talking point saying this. The Congressional Budget Office, which is absolutely nonpartisan said, which is unsustainable. Jerome Powell, the head of the Fed, who he said, we don't talk about policy issues, but we are currently on a unsustainable fiscal path. It has to be addressed sooner rather than later. We don't have high inflation. what's the quote? We don't have high inflation because the people are living too well. We have high inflation because the government is living too well. Printing money, borrowing money, not scaling back how they spend, charging the American people for it. Again, the American government does not have an income problem. It has a spending problem. And yet this president wants to blame private industry for all of its created problems. And I heard people say, well, this president didn't create it. It was a worldwide problem after the pandemic. This president policies led to the highest gas prices we have ever seen, highest diesel prices we have ever seen. Well, that was Russia. No, Russia added to the problem. This president's onslaught against fossil fuels did it. And then everything, in my opinion, and I'm not an economist, but in my opinion, when we watch the fuel prices skyrocket like they did, it ups the cost of doing every business. And then you saw your grocery bills go up. Why? Because farmers have to use gas powered vehicles to plant crops, to harvest crops, and then to ship crops to the warehouses. And then that stuff has to go from the warehouses in other trucks that are powered by diesel or gasoline to the grocery store. So it costs a lot more money to produce those things. The hay that costs so much money to feed the cattle has to be grown by people that use fuel powered gas or diesel powered uh, tractors to harvest that, that, that uh, hay. It's simple that when you watch these things that that continue, and I say this out of respect, but I'm going to tell you, if you look at what's happening now, you are seeing states that are classically on the president's side, quietly being critical and saying you're killing natural gas uh, projects here in the U.S. It is going to cripple some industries. It's going to be damaging to manufacturing because the oppressive regulation you are citing to do all of these things is crushing U.S. manufacturing. There is a lawsuit that's happening because the leases for offshore drilling are the lowest they've been in a very, very long time. It's five-year leases to drill and to, to uh, pull oil out of the ground offshore. The, the leases are at the lowest they've been in in decades. And so the industry is suing and saying, you can't do this. You've got to, you can't just give us the bare minimum. So here we are at a time where we've seen price moderation and fuel, and you've got these same policies being implemented again that are going to drive costs back up. That's exactly what's going to happen. And then the president, if it happens during this year, the president is going to blame private industry. Wait until layoffs begin to happen. Wait until layoffs begin to happen. The same thing is going to happen. The White House is going to blame private industry for sacrificing the working public and the middle class just to make profits. You know it's coming. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's exactly what they're going to say. It's an unfair characterization. And anytime you have an American president, because he goes out and he talks about the working people that built America. He talks about the middle class. Well, who pays the middle class? How do those, if if a company doesn't have the capital and doesn't have the work, they can't hire people to stand around. I'm talking about manufacturing. Number one in manufacturing growth in the country, right here in the state of Arizona. If they don't need the product, they can't manufacture the product. If they can't manufacture the product, they can't hire the people that do the work. That's when layoffs happen. Mm It is simple math, and this president goes after profiteering in the industry. It's just not a fair characterization. All right, coming up in just a moment, every day at 1120, we do this. We catch you up on the biggest news stories. We call it, Did You Hear This? Stick around. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News App. All right, time to get caught up on the biggest news stories
1: of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Republicans in the House of Representatives impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas yesterday by a narrow vote of 214 to 213, making the first time a member of the president's cabinet has been impeached since 1876. There's
0: no telling yet when a Senate trial might start, and frankly, it's possible one never will.
1: Democrats could seek to dismiss the charges out of hand, or they could send the articles of impeachment to a committee to allow work to continue on the Senate floor. Even if the Democrat-controlled Senate fails to convict Mayorkas, does the impeachment in the House send a message to the American people that congressional Republicans are doing something about the border
0: I, I don't I don't know that it says they're doing anything about the border but what I do think that it does is confirm that the American people what they feel is that not enough is being done and he's the guy in charge my problem with this and I've been pretty vocal about it and we're going to talk more about it later is that I don't know that it accomplishes anything because it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate and even if it did you're not going to get a replacement that's going to do any different because it's the same president nominating the person to carry out the same policies. So in a way, this is very symbolic in my mind. You can be in agreement for the symbolism, but it isn't going anywhere. And even if it did, it's not going to change anything. And if the goal is change, I don't think this is going to get us there.
1: In a New York special election to fill the seat of former Republican Congressman George Santos, Democrat, Tom Swozy won over Maisie Pelippe by about eight points. In his victory speech, Swozy spoke to the influence of former President Donald Trump on the congressional Republicans. Let's send a message to our
0: friends running the Congress these days. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. <laughs>
1: Does the fact that the seat flipped from Republican to Democrat speak more to New York voters' perception of Trump or the perception of former Congressman Santos?
0: I think it's more about Santos, and I'll tell you this, the same thing, this is the politics that people laugh at. This is about, I'm sorry, it's as juvenile as it gets. The stop listening to Trump, if a Republican stood up and said to the Democrats, stop listening to Biden, you'd roll your eyes and shake your head. They're Democrats, and it's a Democrat president. They're doing what he wants. Donald Trump is the leading candidate for Republicans. He's probably going to be the nominee. Of course, they're going to listen to what he has to say. If you really want to get rid of the politics, get to work. Let's do something on the important issues. And another key thing in this was the talk about what we do in New York about the border problem in Arizona. It's affecting that city. And a lot of what he had to say is the reason why he won that race, in my opinion. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines.
1: Republican candidate for U.S. Senate, Carrie Lake, joined the Mike Broomhead show to talk about the National Republican Senate Committee's endorsement of her campaign yesterday. She said she has been working to unify the Arizona's GOP behind the scenes since she kicked off her Senate campaign. Mike, it is my goal to bring this Republican party together. When we come together as Republicans, we agree on 95% of everything. And we have a tendency to focus on that 5% we disagree with and never get anything done. And we just are at each other's throats. And so I want to bring this party together. If Lake becomes the Republican candidate for Senate, will she be able to win back moderate Republicans and independents who voted for Governor Hobbs in 2022?
0: I think they want to unify. I will tell you, I think the moderate Republicans, as they're called, want to be a big part of moving forward in the Republican Party. So if, and this is a shift from some of the rhetoric we had heard in the past... If there is a shift here and it is that, hey, let's sit down and talk about what we agree on, I think you're going to find a lot of people that want to come back to the table. There are a lot of people concerned about what's happening in D.C. and in our state, and they would love to be a part of the solution. If it truly is a hand, uh, you know, reaching out with an open hand instead of a fist, I think it's a great move, and I think it's a great step forward.
1: ABC News confirmed reports that ICE is considering a plan to cut its detention capacity amid surges at the southern border. National correspondent Stephen Portnoy reports on the possible plan. Facing a funding crunch amid the recent unprecedented rush of migrants entering the country,
0: Immigration and Customs Enforcement has drawn up plans to release thousands from detention and severely cut its detention capacity at the border. The Homeland Security Department blames Congress
1: for rejecting the bipartisan border agreement that would have infused the agency with billions and ramped up deportations and detentions release of migrants from detention facilities on the southern border prompt Congress to try for another bipartisan border security deal?
0: I think if they do that, it's going to be disastrous in the poll numbers for everybody in Congress. Everybody now agrees that there is a crisis at the southern border. If you are going to see a political maneuver that says, we have no choice because this party or that party won't act, it is going to continue to look negatively against everyone. In an election year, they're not going to want to take that kind of a chance. It may be a Hail Mary for some politically, but in the end the american people know that there's a failure on the border and nobody is fixing it you've got to get back to the table you've got to start where you are with the things you agree on and build from there and if you don't do it you're failing the american people and none of these gimmicks are going to matter Great job is always in there. A little surprised to hear Gray's voice. I didn't know he was going to be in there. I looked up. Great job, man, as always.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right. What we're going to do in a moment is talk about the border issue, and that is, this is going to be a part of that conversation, the gimmicks and what's happening. Are they just gimmicks or do we believe people are serious about getting something done? We'll talk about that coming up next. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's Neil Young is coming to Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater with Crazy Horse for the Love Earth Tour. Tickets go on sale Friday at 8 a.m. You can win a pair right now by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. Love in an elevator. One of the funniest scenes in Wayne's world have to see the movie if if, if you don't know the reference it's lost but uh thanks for being here i appreciate it um we're having an anti-valentine's day not that we're bitter we're over it here we're not bitter um I want to talk a little bit about the border and some of the gamesmanship that's going on. The the it's to me it's the if you ever watched wrestling, I used to um work backstage f- uh, for the re- for wrestling when they would film for TV and they would film in an arena somewhere they would invite an audience like you would see, but they would film all day and they would have multiple shows for multiple weeks at one event. So you would see the same wrestlers wrestle each other and wrestle different wrestlers multiple times during the day. And it was interesting to see how they acted in front of the crowd and how they acted with each other backstage. So we would set up the booths for the interviews and we had the craft services tent where they all would, cause they were there like for 12 hours. So they got fed, they had meals for them and, and they would get together. And we all know that wrestlers, it is, it is a predetermined outcome. And I'm sure that there are some people that don't like each other very much, but how they were when they walked out into the ring and how they hated each other and the finger pointing and getting the crowd riled up. And, you know, it was, they would backstage, they would laugh. Did you see that this little old lady giving me the finger? And, you know, it was, it was to, that was for the crowd. It, it was an act, so to speak. And, when you look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., and I don't care if it's the economy, but we're talking specifically about the border. The same thing is happening. The Republicans in the Congress and in the, in, the, in the House of Representatives, I should say, have now voted to imp- impeach Alejandro Mayorkas by a slim margin. That now will go to the Senate. The the indignation from the Democrats and the abuse of the Constitution is laughable, is laughable. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House, made two committees investigate Donald Trump for four years. It accomplished nothing. Millions of dollars spent at the taxpayer expense, taking the eye off the ball in the Intelligence Committee and in the Judiciary Committee, and it accomplished nothing. Now, all of a sudden, trampling the Constitution. The impeachment uh, hearings and trials of President Trump went nowhere. So in the end, didn't they do exactly this? Nancy Pelosi is still there. Jerry Nadler is still there. The same party that is now indignant about this. This has never been done since 1896. And the same indignation. And the other side of the aisle, it's the same way. In the end, it's not getting any work done. We are back to the same old thing. There was a piece of legislation proposed by Senator Sinema a Republican and a Democrat. The three of them got together and hammered out what they thought would be a deal that would be appealing enough to the majority that even though there were things that one side of the aisle liked and didn't like, and the same with the other side of the aisle, that there was enough good in there that the, the Congress would get behind it, that it would get out of the Senate, it would get onto the floor, it would get out there for a vote, they would pass it and force the House to do something with it. Never got out of the Senate, never got to the floor for a Vote never happened. It died in the Senate. Now they've given up. Now I will tell you. I've uh, and I hope to have Senator Cinema on uh, often. Uh, you know, during this this battle, she has been kind of the the um, the glue in all of this. She's from a border state. She was raised in Southern Arizona. She has that entire pedigree. But now you've got Juan Ciscomani in the House, who also is a border hawk. He's a Republican. He's an immigrant to this country, a naturalized citizen. He has seen the immigration process from the inside out. He's talking about border security first. He came on the show and said, listen, we have got to revamp our immigration system. My family went through it. It's too difficult. It takes too long. It's too expensive. It's difficult to navigate. It does need to be changed, but not until we have border security. Now I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's what he said. You've got Senator Cinema saying it is still a crisis and we have to secure the border. And she's saying these things. But when do the two sides sit down? When does, and I'm using them specifically, but this is metaphorically for everybody in the Congress. When does Juan Siscomani and his commitment to securing the border and Senator Cinema and her, her uh, commitment to securing the border, he's not in favor of her piece of legislation and says it doesn't go nearly far enough. When does he sit down with her or she sit down with him and they begin to talk about, Okay, what is it about my piece of legislation you liked that you want in there? And what are the things in order to support it that you either want removed or added? That's what a negotiation sounds like. And when somebody on on his side of the uh, of the table says, we want this and she comes back and said, that's never going to happen and you know it. They're never gonna let that happen. That's a negotiation that she said, if we put that in this piece of legislation, the Democrats will never support it. We'll never get any support from the Democrats anywhere and you know it. So what's the compromise? What is it that's gonna make you feel like this really does help secure the border and it does stop the flow of people into this country, the flow of drugs into this country significantly. What can we get done in that regard in your mind that we can now take to the Democrats and for the Democrats on the other side to want things in there That they say, what can you bring to the table that you think we can get Republicans to agree on? And then you've got an advocate in Juan Ciscomani who has leaned on uh, significantly in this border battle inside the House of Representatives. Now you've got somebody lobbying for your cause. Now they may be doing that. They may be doing that. We haven't seen it. But to throw your hands in the air and say, we tried, we gave you a piece of legislation that we think was sufficient, and you said no, so now that means you don't want to fix the problem. The president of the United States made a statement that I laughed out loud when he said it, and I continue to laugh at it by saying the American people are going to know that the border is not secured because of Donald Trump. Which was hilarious on a number of levels. First of all, it's hilarious because for the last three plus years, you've told us the border's secure. Now it's a crisis. In January, you had an epiphany, and now it's become a crisis. And the reason why it's not being solved is because Donald Trump and the Republicans don't believe your plan is going to fix it. Why should anybody take a plan from this administration? Now, I know we're talking about something that's negotiated by Senator Cinema and others, but the White House endorses this plan. Why would anybody on the other side of the aisle that's been screaming about the border for three plus years with the record numbers of people that are crossing? Why would the American people believe the first time you support a piece of legislation that it's a good one without seeing the facts? And so we've heard uh, Congressman Biggs say potentially there were some things in there that were good, but not enough, that there need to be dramatic changes. But he didn't think those changes could be obtained. Um, Congressman Siskamani said there were things in there that were positive and things that he liked. So you've got people that, A, that never agreed on anything, agreeing that the border's a crisis now. We've heard Democrats now say the border's a crisis. They can't go back on that word. And you've got Republicans that are saying some of the things in your plan are doable. Now, where is the leadership that comes forward and says, "Okay, I thought this was or we think this is sufficient. But if not, what do we do to get to the next step? How do we bring you in without losing the others? That's what leadership in a negotiation is. And if you're serious about fixing the border, stop saying we're going to do migrant releases and it's the Republicans' fault. Stop impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas when you know that it's not going to go anywhere. Stop with the symbolism and stop with the saber rattling. Sit down at the table and negotiate it. And if it's not the number one issue for Americans, it's number one A. It's either economy, border, or border economy for the majority of Americans. And if you don't get to work on it, you're going to lose the American people. They're already frustrated about the presidential election. They're already frustrated about the choices that they have. And if you do not change things, you are going to find out that the American people are going to be frustrated with you. And you're going to start seeing people that have been very secure in their seats in Congress in a very precarious position. All right, just a couple of minutes left before we close it out. So I hope you'll stick around for it. strong values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it. It's a very simple way to listen to the show. Um, Any device you have is easy to download, and you'll never miss a minute of the show again. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast this week, brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers, and a thank you for the sponsorship. I want to kind of summarize some of the things we've talked about today. The president of the United States is very critical of companies making profits in America. At the same time, the United States government is borrowing so much money that we're paying over a trillion dollars a year just in the interest on the money we've borrowed with no end in sight. They continue to borrow billions of dollars every single day. There is no conversation from either political party, serious conversation saying we have got to cut spending. Um, That's part of it. But then yet he blames private industry for profiteering for high inflation. Um, Also, in addition to that, they are saying that impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas uh, is going to be viewed by the American people as an abuse of the Constitution. No, it isn't. There are some people that will see it that way, but they're the very same people that cheered the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump and the four years of investigations by committees. I say this because the political division in America has a lot of posturing and hypocrisy on both sides. When both sides want to get down to business, we'll know it. We'll know it. But so far they don't. Um, 11 of 13 independents that were gathered for a lengthy conversation 11 of the 13 said they are leaning toward Donald Trump. Now, what's interesting, of of those 13 people, not many of them were fans of either candidate. Now, again, I'm not discounting Nikki Haley, but Trump is the leading candidate right now, and the polls are showing much of what would happen in this head-to-head matchup, a rematch between these two. 11 of 13 independent voters would say, if I had to choose today between those two, I would choose. Trump over Biden. These are independents. There is a Reuters poll that shows it's a statistical tie between the two. So let's talk from the position of of haters for a moment. The people out there that absolutely cannot stand Donald Trump and believe he is the worst president in the world and his behavior means that he should never, ever, ever be president again. And there's another group of people that believe that this president, the current president, is a disaster on the border. He's the cause of high inflation. There is now big questions from the DOJ and other. About his mental ability to do the job for four more years. And when you look at what people are saying, they're in a statistical tie. So what do you make of that? If you're a Trump supporter, how do you how do you feel if you believe the polls are fairly accurate that this race is close? How is it that a president that's facing um, he was a willfully kept documents? The same thing happened to Trump, but it's happened to him, too. Uh, the Hunter Biden laptop a thing that is just now kind of exploding out there in the president's dealings with his son's businesses. I'm doing this all from a Trump supporter point of view. Um You've got a president where his own Department of Justice questions his mental ability to do the job, and yet he's within winning range of your candidate as a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you've got Donald Trump with co- with court cases across the country, ongoing court cases across the country, all the baggage that the president brings with him, and how much you can't stand him, and you don't think American could, America could deal with him for four more years, and he's in a statistical tie within a winning range, and 11 of 13 of these independent studies said, if I have to choose between the two, and it's going to be independents that make this decision. So even if this focus group was flawed, and it wasn't 11 out of 13, what if it was nine? out of 13? What if it was 10 out of 13? It's still a huge number of independent voters. So both parties, both groups that are entrenched in supporting their candidate, when you look at what happens to the electorate, the electorate is still saying, we want two other choices. Even if you talk to people that don't have a a huge, um, what would you call vitriolic opinion of either person, if they are just people that say, I'm a voter. I go out and I do my civic duty and I vote, but I don't like either one of these guys. I think they're both too old. Biden has shown where he is now, but Donald Trump is not much younger. And so now what? So what do the parties do? do you, you can't scrap the candidates. You're not going to. But what does this say about elections moving forward? Will independent voters go to the polls? We know the passionate Republicans will. We know the passionate Democrats will. They will go and support their candidate. The independent voters who are looking for the best option, will they look and shrug their shoulders and say, I'm just not that interested? Are we going to see a far lower turnout in the election than we did in the last election cycle? I don't know that that's the case, I'm asking a question. And I I just, I look at this, and I think the American people are starting to get fed up. I see this more and more, that they are seeing the posturing and the symbolism from both sides. And at some point, the American people are gonna want someone to actually do something. This border thing can still happen. I still think there's room for people to get into a room together and say, okay, what do you need? Well, we can't go that far. What do you need on the other side? That's what leadership does. Are we going to see pragmatic leadership? I hope so. I hope so. If you're a social media user, find me on X, at Broomhead KTAR. That's me personally, at Broomhead Show updates you on the show. Please follow both. Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. All of you out there celebrating Valentine's Day. I hope it's going to be a fun one for you. The show begins just after 8 a.m. tomorrow. Please join me then. Until then, God bless.